want to shine a spotlight on a very special offer we have with our friends from Racelands. Going to have more Racelands content looking ahead to the Breeders' Cup later in the week. But right now, you can get a heavily discounted year subscription to Racelands and a year of In The Money Plus as well. So if you get that now, you'll get our entire Breeders' Cup package and a year of data for one low, low price we're going to want you to check this out in the moneypodcast.com slash racelens, the place to go for all the details. Mentioned before how excited I am to be going to the RTIP program in Arizona from December 4th through 6th. That's the racetrack industry program. Some great stuff. Going to be a lot of things we talk about on here on a regular basis. A computer-assisted wagering panel with a great lineup involved there in terms of guests. And we're going to be talking more about Category 1 rules. Looking forward to that. But I'll tell you what, the main thing with this conference is it is just an absolutely great networking opportunity. We encourage you to show up and enjoy the RTIP panel. To learn more, go to rtip.arizona.edu. That URL once again, rtip.arizona.edu. Hello and welcome to a special presentation from In The Money Media. Three thoughts on every Breeders' Cup race. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you in the Brooklyn Bunker once again, sporting the JK Breeders' Cup shirts, one of my favorites that he ever designed. And uh, we bring him in to you right now to get his three thoughts on every Breeders' Cup race. He's Jonathan Kinchin. What's up, JK? PTF, I'm excited about this idea. It's going to be quick hitting, fast to the point. You might have seen this somewhere on some version of social media. Kind of hitter. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It should be a lot of fun. The Breeders' Cup is around the corner. I finally started thinking about reservations and car service and how am I going to get there? Am I Ubering? Am I walking? Am I driving? What time? Am I there? Am I flying? So it's, uh, it's all coming together. The most important thing, of course, is who's going to win these races. And we're going to have a ton more coverage for you on In The Money Media and through our In The Money Media YouTube channel, InTheMoneyPodcast.com. Lots of stuff. And for those that want everything, you don't want to miss a single thing, we have uh, InTheMoneyPodcast.com slash plus is the place you want to be checking out. You might be listening to this. We're also doing this on YouTube. Uh, If you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening, hop over to YouTube. And leave us a comment. Give us your thoughts on these 14 Breeders' Cup races. We'll see how they compare to ours. This is an important early step in the process. I think we have some pretty close to final selections already for races that haven't even uh, drawn the pre-entries yet. But obviously, we reserve the right to have our opinions evolve and uh, minds change along the way. Next week, we'll have our final answer show where we'll put it all to bed. Going to be doing some fun uh, Q&A stuff as well. It's going to be a great week, great couple of weeks here on In The Money Media. But let's dive into this. JK, give us your thoughts on the Juvenile Turf Spring. My first thought is amidst waves, once it firmed. I distinctly remember being at Saratoga, watching her kind of on off ground in the stretch, bobbling up and down. She ran extremely well at Keeneland. I think she's going to love it firm. I think she's George Weaver's best chance of winning the juvenile turf sprint. We didn't discuss this off air production meeting in the middle of the show. Do you want to do your three? I'll do my three or do we go back and forth here? Back and forth. 
All right. Well, I'm with you on this George Weaver idea. I'm just going to say that he wins this race with a horse once or currently owned by black type thoroughbreds. That leaves amidst waves an unlikely loser, uh, unlucky loser the last time uh, in the mix. And it also keeps Crimson Advocate on side. What a huge run that was at Royal Ascot. Horse has since been sold from the care of black type, but still with George Weaver. He's also got no name ads, but it's really those first two that I'm interested in. My second thought is that Big Evs is not your typical Euro. This horse actually has speed. A lot of times we toss these Euros in these sprint races thinking they're not going to get out of the gate to be able to keep up with our horses. Big Evs doesn't fall into that category. I do think Big Evs will be part of this pace. And this one, maybe maybe I'm not so going out on a limb here, but I really do see this as a race that almost has to be run at a blazing fast clip. I'm going to give that as my thought for this race. I'm going to view it from the lens of uh, it's going to be super fast. But of course, with turf sprints, that doesn't automatically mean like in a mile race where you're going to be looking to the closers. They can still play out formfully when the pace is going to be blazing fast. That's sort of tipping my hand to my third thought. But let's bring you in. For yours first. My third thought is that Mick Appleby has the best chance of winning a Breeders' Cup race of anyone whose last name is Appleby. I just don't think Charlie's really set up this year like he has been in the past. But Mick with big ebbs does look to have if anyone's going to kind of knock off that three-headed monster that George Weaver has. I think a lot of people are going to look at this race, Jonathan, and they're going to say big balloons are going to be uh, – coming in from all over the place. It's a juvenile turf sprint. It's a laboratory for chaos. That might be right. But I'm going to say that this is a year where I think the horses we've been centering around are the right horses. And it's going to be pretty formful in the end. I do not necessarily think the juvenile turf sprint is the boil over it first looks like on paper. And with that, we'll proceed to our next race, the juvenile Phillies turf. I'll go first here, just in saying that my original thought on this one is that opera singer is a very likely winner going to be very tough to turn over this talented daughter of justify not saying it can't happen, but I think any discussion of this race should really start with opera singer. Well, Pete, I'm actually my, my first opinion of this juvenile uh, Phillies turf or juvenile turf Phillies is similar to yours. I think that a sired horse, I'm sorry. I think that a horse sired by justify is going to win this race, whether it is Opera Singer or hard to justify for Chad Brown. I think one of those two horses likely gets it done. Opera Singer is going to be a pretty big favorite, but if one of the Americans does it, I think it will be hard to justify. Justify has been uh, making waves all over the world and uh, glad to see the presence he has at this year's Breeders' Cup and uh, maybe next year's Breeders' Cup too with a little horse called the uh, City of Troy. Not going to be making the trip over this time, but uh, all kinds of hype and justifiably so around that Justify runner overseas. My second thought, Connections, uh, our friends at Medallion Racing and their, their whole team, um, I think they made the right choice on where to run Porta Fortuna. I think a lot of people are going to look at the form and they're going to say, this is a sprinter, isn't it? But I'll tell you what, JK, if you can get that six furlong straight at Ascot going up the hill a little bit at the end, you can probably get a two turn mile here in the USA. And I think that turf sprint would have been too sharp for Porta Fortuna. I think running here gives her her best chance. Pete, my second thought is that Buku is trending in the right direction and the price could be kind of nice for the underappreciated, I hate the word underrated, the underappreciated 
uh, Phil Bauer. I think a lot of people know that he's good. I just think sometimes they forget. What don't you like about the word underrated? I just it, because it just kind of it, it, it suggests that people don't have any respect for you if you're underrated. I think underappreciated sounds a little bit more like they just don't appreciate what you bring to the table. They know you're good, but they don't quite appreciate it. And I think that's probably a better way to frame Phil Bauer. I like it. I've got one on She Feels Pretty. I think this horse is a serious contender. And all you got to do is look back at the form of the Natalma. It was fast at the time. And then you see five next out winners, or at least next out horses crossing the wire first from that race already. But to me, JK, even more important than that, even more important than the old school key race concept is the new school one, where when you see seven of those eight runners to come back have improved their figures significantly, one that regressed actually won, but it just feels like a, a really fast and good race. And I'm not going to be leaving She Feels Pretty out of the mix. Pete, my third thought is more of a question. How good is Austere? I think a lot of times when you have horses that run at Kentucky Downs, it's a little bit tricky. It's a tricky race course. They're left, they're right a little bit. They're up, they're down. They've got four cameras in the stretch I can't quite figure out. But it is, it's one of those situations where you have to evaluate horses that run at Kentucky Downs. They could take a step forward. Maybe they didn't really appreciate it, or they could take a step back with a course move them forward. So my third thought is really a question. How good is Austere? I think that's a good question to look at for all the Kentucky down shippers really coming over to this breeder's cup. It's such a different course. Will that form uh, translate or will what happens in Franklin stay in Franklin? We'll have a lot more clues on breeder's cup weekend. Let's talk about the juvenile turf race, JK, and we'll let you kick this one off. Yeah, my, my first idea here is that the highest priced favorite of the entire weekend will be here. doesn't really seem like there's a standout. Often this race will have a horse that's got a lot of buzz behind him, some American horse who's been running fast, a European that is the next fastest horse in the world. If you have that feel here, I think this will be the race that has the highest priced favorite of the weekend, definitely, in my opinion, on Friday. Interesting. I'll have another idea on that we'll get to uh, in another spot. But for me, don't underestimate unquestionable just because he's one for five. You'll see U.S. players in particular so used to horses being campaigned so carefully and so gently that any loss is like a blemish on their on their career. It's not the way they're campaigned over there a lot of the times. And that's certainly the case for unquestionable. This is a horse that has superb form that wins a typical running of the juvenile turf. Pete, my second one is also a question. My second thought here for the juvenile turf. Where are all the Euros? Uh, looking at the pre-entries, we filmed this before pre-entries, looking at uh, a lot of the publications who have le released le uh, lists, lists of horses that are probably going to show up. I only see two or three Euros. We'll see if more entered in, in the pre-entries, but my question is, where are all the Euros? It's, it's a good question because this race has a history of producing runners that have gone on to run great in races like the guineas and the derby so you would expect that they wouldn't be afraid to come ship over but it doesn't 100 percent look like that's the way it's going this year but my feeling and this is to get back to my thoughts on unquestionable again as much as anything else i still feel like from what i've seen the best north americans are probably too far behind the form that that one brings to the party and i will be looking more closely at those other europeans to potentially turnover unquestionable rather than looking at the North American contingent. Pete, my third thought is, is less of a handicapping one and more of a, 
emotional one. And that's that uh, we know what Cody's wish uh, represents uh, for young Cody Dorman. Um, Carson's run also representing a young man, Carson, who has the, the same syndrome, Wolf uh, Hirschhorn. I think I'm pronouncing it correctly. A very rare um, chromosome syndrome. And, and these two young men both have it. Uh, and they both have two horses that really could uh, win Breeders' Cup races in Cody's Wish and Carson's Run. So my third thought is Cody's Wish and Carson's Run will be pulling at your heartstrings on Friday and Saturday. Definitely candidates to be story of the weekend. And from a fan point of view, how great if both could get it done. For me, my third thought in this race, a horse that uh, ran in second behind Carson's Run and then went to win impressively on the next start, my boy Prince. I think this is your early pace setter in the race. When I sit down and do my pace grid, do my analysis, I'm starting with the idea that my boy Prince is going to get the lead. Will he be able to hang on? Remains to be seen, but I think he'll be out there at the pace call, and I'll give a second look just for that. Let's go to the juvenile Phillies, JK, and this is a race where I think it's going to be all about Tamara romping and becoming racing's next superstar. Yeah, well, my first opinion and thought of this race is right in line with what you started. Tamara is going to make Mama proud. Uh, Beholder has had a couple of offspring. Um, none have lived up to who she was, but it seems like Tamara might be trending in that direction. One of the reasons why I feel confident about Tamara is that a couple of the prep races just came back really slow. And with that in mind, I'm approaching this race with the thought that the winners of the grade one Chandelier and Frisette are not going to win this race. Probably not even going to be able to be in the exacta in this race based on speed figures. I know there have been some questions about uh, the form of some of Tamara's earlier opponents. I'm not worried about it at all. She beat them in a high canter in good time. And it's not like there's no form out of those races with a runner like uh, Chattelis coming back to win. Uh, I'm going to stand against the form of the grade one chandelier and Frazette when it comes to this year's juvenile Phillies. Pete, my second opinion about the juvenile Phillies uh, kind of goes in line with your second. Um, this idea that uh, the Alcibiades and the weren't that fast. Those horses are going to take some money. And I think it sets up perfectly for 25 or one, 25 and one or higher to hit the trifecta. Tamara's going to take a, a ton of money. And I think that some uh, some forgotten horses, some improving horses could get into the mix and make this actually be a pretty interesting trifecta, considering such a short price favorite is likely to win on top. I like that idea. When I'm thinking about the try for this race, JK, it leads to my next thought. I think VV's dream is the horse I want to be double keying underneath Tamara. I thought the, that was the prep that I wanted uh, from the Alcibiades. And I think in terms of running style, Vivi's dream, I don't think is going to necessarily get burned up by Tamara. I'm hoping what that race will be going on in front and there'll be sort of a secondary race where Vivi's dream can close and get the job done. Pete, my third opinion about the juvenile Phillies is that bright work will run better than her Alcibiades performance. I thought she beat uh, the best Philly country in ways and means. Unfortunately, ways and means was injured. So she's off of the, uh, of the uh, juvenile Phillies trail. Hopefully we can see her next year for the Kentucky Oaks. I think bright work's going to run better in the Alcibiades or the Alcibiades, <laughs> if your name's Peter Thomas Warner. But chestnut for the long time, uh, Viewers and listeners, we're not even going to explain it here. Okay? Email or tweet us if you need the full explanation. The last race 
things we're going to talk about on Future Stars Friday is the juvenile. And for me, JK, I think it's your turn, but I'm going to go anyway. I think this could be the most competitive race with the highest price favorite. Well, look, I'm going to agree with you and my first point that it is going to be the most competitive race. Uh, but I think that the draw is where this race is won or lost. If Timberlake draws inside or Prince of Monaco draws outside, if Timberlake draws outside or, you know, Muth draws poorly, I think that the race can be won or lost at the draw. I think it's that race. And I think that where you line up is going to matter. For me, it really is about this four-headed monster, the horses at the top of the market now. I can't even tell you who's going to be favorite. Maybe Prince of Monaco, but between Prince of Monaco, Muth, Locked, and Timberlake, that's from this far out, that's my short list here, and I'm going to do a lot of extra work on them before these pre-entries even come out. My second point is simple, and it follows yours very well. You said four-headed monster. I think it's a five-headed monster. I think General Partner deserves a lot of credit for what so far his career and i think that he could be heard from if ignored on breeders cup friday of the three of the four or five now that you've put forward though for me locked i think is the one that i like the best jk i just really like the improving pattern that this horse has we talked about it a little bit this type of thing with sean borman who's going to be part of our pro player roundtable as we get closer but this is one i don't even need to see his stuff to see what he's talking about in terms of a horse that just keeps running each part of the race faster than the last, I think could be set for a massive effort in the juvenile. My third thought is a pretty simple one. I, I did tell you, I think it's a five headed monster, but I also think a more prevalent thought in my brain is that Timberlake might be a freak. And I think that if he is, we'll find out about 4:40 PM. I think on Friday, I think I know that because I was trying to do a dinner reservation, but I think we'll find out about 4:40 PM. I think Timberlake might be a freak. Din Tai Fung for the win, my friend. We got we to see if we can get in there for any time you're out at Santa Anita. We move on to Saturday and the Dirt Mile, JK. Give us your first thought. Yeah, I mean, look, this is a very fence-sitting thought, but my first thought about the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile is Cody's wish might be vulnerable, but he also might win by five and be in the conversation for Horse of the Year. It's a tough situation to try to work through. <laughs> I'll say this, JK, for my first thought. If you're an international who's watching and you do want to bet Cody's wish, I'd say bet him now. I'm seeing three to one, seven to two around. Don't you think on the day this horse is going to be six to five? And, you know, at that price, I do feel like the, the, the gambler in me feels like you're supposed to bet against. But boy, if that's wrong and he is more like two to one or higher uh, with everything behind him, I might have to rethink my idea of his vulnerability. Pete, my second thought about the Dirt Mile is that uh, Practical Move is the up-and-comer, the three-year-old that you want. Showed a ton of promise early in the year, was on people's shortlist for the Kentucky Derby. Actually wasn't able to run. I think maybe now, Practical Joke, trending in the right direction. Could be tough in this spot if Cody's Wish doesn't show up. Uh, practical Move, an idea from JK for the Dirt Mile. I will say this. If you are going to get cute and try to beat Cody's wish. My gut is I'm going to probably try to do it with a speed horse, with a horse playing a different game who's going to be out in front of him who can maybe get too much rope. It's hard for me to see somebody launching a closing move at the same time as him and out finishing him. If I'm going to try to beat him, I'm going to try to beat him with a speed horse. My third thought is right in hand with yours is that's Zozo, so be loose on the lead. Brad Cox, Florent Giroux, when they have a horse with speed on the dirt, 
they typically don't get in their way. I would see, uh, I, I could see Zozos being loose on the front end, which is actually the biggest weapon I think against Cody is someone getting loose uh, toward the front end. So I think Zozos is going to be loose in the Breeders' Cup dirt mile. This is a little redundant at this point with the last two thoughts, but it was my thought when we wrote it down. So I'll say it to your point. The pace to me does not necessarily look like it's going to be that fast overall. We'll see. We'll talk about it more as time goes on. Regardless of what happens with betting, one of the stories of the weekend is going to be watching Cody's Wish attempt to hold his title in the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile. Up next, Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint, another race, JK, where we have a potential repeating champion. My first thought is that Goodnight Olive will be the shortest priced winning favorite of the Breeders' Cup weekend. And the reason I think that is I do think that Tamara will be a short price, but she doesn't have a lot of form to go off of. She has a lot of question marks. Goodnight Olive won last year, uh, is in great form, and I think will have a pretty big edge on an underwhelming field uh, that I expect for the Philly and Mare Sprint. I'll go oppo with you here and just definitively make my first thought that Goodnight Olive will not be a shorter price than tomorrow. And I think it's double-handed, JK. I think it's the numerical advantage that Tamara has over the field I think will be a little bit greater than Goodnight Olive's. And I also just feel like the narrative machine is going to go crazy with the thought of uh, Beholder's baby, et cetera, et cetera. Goodnight Olive will be favorite, but I don't think she'll be quite as short as Tamara in this spot. Pete, my second thought in the Philly and Mayor Sprint is that Goodnight Olive will be first or second going into the turn, the half-mile pole. She was forward last year. There just happened to be three or four horses in front of her that made her be fifth. Her best race she's run all year and possibly in her life was chasing Echo Zulu around the racetrack. I think Goodnight Olive is going to be forwardly placed, and I think she's going to be extremely hard to beat. While we're talking about the pace in uh, in this Philly and Mare Sprint, I'll get to my second thought, which is I think it'll be society who proves the the best of speed early. I'm not saying I think she's going to necessarily turn back Goodnight Olive, but I think she will have a tactical advantage in Goodnight Olive. She'll be the one that Goodnight Olive has to come and run down. Pete, my third opinion in the Philly and Mare sprint is that Godolphin will not be in the trifecta. Caramel Swirl and Matarea both have run well this year, but circumstantially ran well. I think people will look at them as alternatives to Goodnight Olive, and I don't think that they're quite up to her task. I think Goodnight Olive will win the race. I think a couple of other horses will help fill out the trifecta. I don't really believe that it's going to be the boys in blue or the girls in blue in Matarea and Caramel Swirl. Unfortunately, we don't get to see Echo Zulu run in this race due to her injury, but I do think we may see her colors on the board, at least in the form of stablemate Wicked Halo who I think can carry those colors with pride and make a late run and get into the money in the Philly and Mare Sprint. Next up on Breeders' Cup Saturday, we've got the Turf Sprint. I'll start off, JK, by saying that at the prices, at least, what they're projecting to be right now, I'm mildly against the Euros here. We know they can win, but this is a tough game going the flying flat five at Santa Anita. I'm going to be leaning against. Well, my first thought in the Turf Sprint is that The distance, the surface are going to really help Caravelle, the defending champion. And I think she could be tough. It's hard to argue, uh, given the heart that that one has shown on race courses. And a a bounce back to form would be another great story, another potential repeating champion. But I'll tell you what, it's not going to be easy. And one of the reasons it's not going to be easy for me, I'm giving a big edge to the local form. And when I look at the way Motorious has run around this course and distance, I'm very impressed. This is a horse who's going to be on my tickets for sure, JK. 
My second thought, Pete, in the turf sprint, which is a little bit funny compared to my first one, I think the distance and the surface are going to really help Big Invasion, right? You see what I did there? I think both horses, Caravel and Big Invasion, are going to be extremely uh, helped by uh, the, the distance. I think the five furlongs is going to hit Caravel right between the eyes, and I think it's going to hit Big Invasion right between the eyes. I also think they're both going to like it firm. I think one of those two horses should be very, very tough, and I'll save number three uh, for when it comes back to me. And it's perfect because my third follows that as well because it's also about big invasion. This horse is going to be all over my tickets. Big prices around right now, 16 to 1. Don't know if it'll be that big on the day, but very, very likely to hit the board at a big price. Would I be surprised if a California speed horse or Caravel on form, you know, blow the field away on the front end and win? No, but big invasion is going to be going best late. And I think he's going to be able to hit the board at a big price. Pete, my third opinion about the Breeders' Cup or my third thought Breeders' Cup turf sprint is kind of a piggyback of my first and second thought, which is that there's only three horses that can win this race. Caravel, Big Invasion, and Living the Dream. I know that doesn't seem like a big lean, but when you're playing multi-race bets, uh, you're playing uh, exactas, tries, I think the idea that only three horses can win the race is actually a valuable opinion. Um, and if you don't believe me, then look at my Breeders' Cup betting challenge plays if I'm alive to this race I will be uh, all in of those three winning. Next up, the Dirt Sprint, one of the classic Breeders' Cup races. Certainly an interesting renewal this year. Let's start with you, JK. Give us your first thought. Yeah, mine's simple. Let's see what happens with the cross in- with the with the cross entries of of the pre entries. But mine is that Gunite is better going longer. Uh, so let's see if he enters in here. If he does enter in here, I think he's probably a play against. If he enters in the mile, then I think he does stand a pretty good chance in there. But uh, I, I definitely wanted to make the point known now, prior to seeing what happens, that he's definitely better, in my opinion, going longer. Elite power, defending champion, for me, a very good place to plant a flag. My second opinion is Speedboat Beach will hit the board. Uh, I should probably change that. I'm going to say Speedboat Beach will be in the exacta. I thought he okay. ran extremely well last time off of a little bit of a break a little bit of a break, a lot of a break. He shows up here as a three-year-old, should take another step forward. I like Speedboat Beach quite a bit. I just uh, have a third opinion that you got to hear first. (laughs) There's going to be a fast pace in here, I think, this year. It doesn't always happen in the sprint. It's supposed to happen. I think this year with all these local California horses out there used to butting heads and the way that track's been playing of late, I think a pace is going to be fast, and that just gets back to point number one, which I have a feeling is related to your point number three, JK. Elite power should be suited perfectly by the way this race is going to be run. Pete, my third opinion, my third thought, is that elite, elite power at this point is my best bet of the weekend. we got to see where he draws. we got to see who shows up here, whether Gunnite's here or not. I think elite power is better closing going six. I think that he had to overcome some paceless races throughout the year. He's going to get pace. He's going to get six. He's going to be rolling down the middle of the track, and he will be a back-to-back Breeders' Cup dirt sprint champion. I like the confidence, and I like that it aligns with my own opinion as well. Another thought I had just looking at um, equine condition and looking at how horses improve throughout their three-year-old years. In the rematch we see here between Speedboat Beach and Dr. Shivel, I don't think Dr. Shivel is meant to beat Speedboat Beach again. That horse coming off that long layoff, 
and and being able to run like that really supposed to move forward. I, I, whereas Dr. Shivel, I think, you know, he might get a good trip. He might run that race. I think Speedboat Beach finishes ahead of him in the Breeders' Cup sprint. Billy and Mare Turf is up next, JK. And I think we've got some commonality in the way that we view things. I'll start off with my first thought. Beware the distance here. This is a cheater's 10 furlongs that starts down the hill on very firm ground. Speed has a big chance to hang on for at least a piece. My first opinion is a simple opinion. Uh, and I've thought it for almost the entire year. In Italian, will wire to wire win the Philly and Turf. I love her going the mile and a quarter. I love her with the downhill start. I love her going 46 and four clear by three and running them off their feet. Uh, day at the spa 2.0 with a much more talented racehorse. <laughs> I will say this. I do think Europe on form and figures, JK, going to be impossible to keep out of the exact. I do have a little bet already on in Italian, so I'm not against you there, but between warm heart and in spiral, uh, you do not want to disrespect the invaders in the Philly and Mare turf either. Pete, my second thought in the Philly and Mare turf is that Lindy uh, or McCulloch, are extremely live long shots. Obviously, I love in Italian, and you'll hear my third point. I don't know if they'll win, but I do think that they are extremely likely at big numbers to run second and or third in the Philly and Turf. The more I look at it, this race, JK, the more I think we're going to see a flying dismount here from uh, new California, newly minted Californian Frankie DeTori when he wins this race aboard in spiral. What do you think of that? I think that my third opinion is a cheeky one that goes along with your second, that a horse whose name starts with the letter I and the letter N <laughs> win the Philly America. How about that? I like it. I, th I think you could probably get pretty decent value on that at the prices they're going to be. We'll see how it shakes out. We move on to the Breeders' Cup Mile. JK, what's your first thought in here? My first thought in the Breeders' Cup Mile is that Casa Creed will hit the exacta He's always wanted firm ground and he's going to get it. And he's shown his professionalism and his toughness. I can't wait to see his turn of foot over this firm turf course. I was really happy to see Maj turning up for this race, JK. I think she's got to move forward. Second off the long layoff showed a little of that freshness, that rust pulling early. I think this time around, she's going to get even better and going to do this uh, family really proud, potentially, with another Breeders' Cup Mile winner. My second Breeders' Cup Mile thought is that Master of Seas is not going to appreciate the type of race that's going to be run at Santa Anita. Tighter turns, quicker pace, bit more of a galloper, in my opinion, what we saw from him at Woodbine, also at Keeneland. He's no, uh, he's no modern games to me. I think that he'll... Uh, not really appreciate the way the races run in Santa Anita. Let's go back to Maj for a second and just let me get a little bit more into my reasons why I like her so much. I just love the tactical ability that Maj possesses. When you see a Euro who is fast enough to make the lead uh, in American racing and breaks well enough to make the lead in American racing, but also has that ability to stalk and pounce, that's going to make me give extra consideration. And leading into your next point or one of your next points, I'll say I'd much prefer the stalk and pounce than the attempt to to wire in this spot. Yeah, um, I agree with you. The, my third opinion uh, of the mile is that horses don't wire in this race. A lot of times you can find a horse that's forwardly placed, get a little bit excited about a trip they might work out. But when they turn for home, 
the turn of foot and the quality of the horses that are behind them typically comes. I don't believe that wire to wire trips or extremely forward trips do well in the Breeders' Cup mile. One horse that I need to mention while we're talking Breeders' Cup mile is a Japanese invader. That's Songline. I think she gives Japan its best single chance in any race. They were pointing to this race last year. Uh, something went awry uh, this year. She seems as good, if not better. This has been on the dance card a long time. We saw what the, the Japanese contingent can do at the Breeders' Cup two years ago. I think Songline could add to their uh, treasure chest of international success in the Breeders' Cup mile. Next up, we pivot to the Breeders' Cup turf. JK, give us your first thought. My first thought is a pretty strong one. Um, up to the mark will win the Breeders' Cup turf. I thought he was outstanding in his comeback race in uh, at Keeneland in the mile grade one. And he's always been a horse throughout the year that I've really gotten good. I remember saying he feels a little like bricks and mortar where a lot of times we're bringing a knife to a gunfight when it comes to this mile and a half turf races versus the Europeans. I don't think that's the case. I think that we're equally matched with a horse like, uh, like bricks and mortar. And I feel the same way about up to the mark. I love the choice to run him here. I think he's going to take a step forward. I think he's going to be tough to beat. To me, the biggest thought to come out of British champions day from a breeder's cup perspective, JK was a horse who didn't run. And that's most of that. I really think it's huge that he's going to be pointed here and, he, my analysis is going to start with him and he'll certainly be on a whole lot of my tickets and what I think is going to still end up being a pretty strong European contingent. Pete, my second point in the turf is warlike goddess. I love her when she's racing against kind of the average females when she's racing against the average males, but on this stage going against these horses, with a pace that doesn't seem to be fast, where she's going to be pulling all the way around there, I don't think Warlike Goddess is going to hit the board. I mean, I get it. I get it. It's 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 a much tougher uh, a much tougher situation. And for me, you know, I mentioned Mostadap in my first point. Not even the biggest name, I think, in terms of fame that's going to be coming over. That honor would belong to August Rodin. Going to be an interesting one to see how he ships over. He's not always shipped well in the past, but his best race to me makes this look. At first glance, anyway, like a bit of a match race between Mostadap and August Rodin. Pete, my third opinion is that up to the mark is the only U.S. horse that can hit the board in the Breeders' Cup turf. I obviously like him to win the race, but I just don't trust uh, the other horses. And that includes Balshoy Ballet, who is technically a Euro, but his last race was here. I don't need him either. I, I just feel like uh, if it's not up to the mark, it's going to be one of the Europeans, but I do believe it will be up to the mark. Uh, he is the best American horse we have to offer. Let's talk about another European in my third thought. And the, the general thought is just to always keep in mind the variables of when you're looking at turf racing of different courses and different ground and how they can change what you might expect to happen. And that makes me not want to overlook Onesto off that huge third in the arc. That was ground that uh, that wasn't as soft as it as it always is over there in France. And I could definitely see um, Onesto running a lot better or, or really just backing up that run in the arc. And like many other arc also rans who ran good races, really making some noise in this year's Breeders' Cup turf. Let's talk distaff, JK. Give me your first thought on this one. My first thought is pace 
pace of the distaff is going to be very fast. I think it's going to be 46 and one fifth of a second. Uh, it's going to be faster than that, either that fast or faster. I think they're going to roll around there. There's so much speed signed on. And I think that they're, they're going to, they're going to let them rip. Agreed. The speed horse that I still will have in some of my reckoning of the race though, JK is idiomatic. I've been very impressed. And I think that's going to be your candidate to be the best of speed. I'll be leaning against the other speed horses, but I'll be leaving idiomatic in, in some combinations. Pete, my second opinion is simple that Clarier is going to get her trip. If and when she decides to try to show up and win this race, she's got to get everything that she needs to do so. She's got to work out a little bit of a trip, but the pace is going to be honest enough in front of her. And I think she will run well, given the fact that she's going to get such a good trip. She's the horse I want to bet as well. I'll get that thought in there. There's some other historical trends we were talking about with Brad Free and another video you can find here on YouTube about how well horses who've skipped the last prep have done in this race. But it's mainly just about pacemaking the race and Clarier getting exactly the kind of situation she needs to thrive. Pete, my third thought about this race is that search results not randomized is the Klarovich Chad Brown horse that I want. Let's not forget Search results, one of her best races, best two races. She lost a Malathot in the Kentucky Oaks, and then she got moved entirely to Phipps where Malathot and Clarier caught her. Those are two of her best races that she didn't win. She's got a ton of talent, and I think she's the Klarovich Brown horse that you want in here uh, as an alternative to the top choices. I'll give you a long shot to hit the board, a horse I've always liked and has done this before, running late when most of the real race is over, but hitting the board at a price. Desert Dawn is one in the distaff I like to come running to nab second or third at a price. And heck, maybe I'd even leave a penny on top to win. We get to the big one. This is the race that we're so excited about from this far out. We look, we talk about it all year long. And this year in particular, it has a really interesting angle or six. The Raiders Cup Classic, JK, what's your first thought on this? My first thought's a simple one, and it's a wide sweeping one. It's that a three-year-old is going to win the Classic. Now, I almost tightened it up to say that a horse whose name started with A was going to win, Archangelo or Arabian Knight. But I wanted to save myself a little bit with horses like me uh, and Go Rocket Ride, uh, just in case. Or even a horse like Saudi Crown, I wanted to kind of keep those in, in, in my pocket as a defense. Not the smartest, it's not the sharpest, longest, most predictive opinion, but I do think a three-year-old is going to win. I'll tell you what, I'll go oppo with my first thought in this race. I was knocking around this anyway, and you've helped me crystallize it. I'll take the older horses against your three-year-olds. I feel like White Abario's big run in the Whitney has been underrated largely, but a lot of people have written that off as a fluke. I think if he runs that race again, he wins. And boy, how about Zandon and what he did out of that race? He looked like a serious contender, um, a, a horse. Well, I'll I could segue into my second thought, but I'm just going to leave it there for now. Give me an older horse in the classic. Well, I'll give you an older horse. My second thought is I'll give you Zandon to hit the board, not necessarily win the race, but it was announced today or yesterday or a few days ago, depending on when you're watching this, that Frankie DeTore will take the mount on Zandon. It's going to be very interesting. I think uh, if you think about Ryan, have the best internal clock, who is it? One of them would be someone like Frankie DeTore. And I think that he'll be able to, they'll have some pace to close into and he'll come running 
I just don't think he'll catch the top two, but I do believe Zandon will hit the board. I'll give you a hit the board one as well. I think a foreigner can hit the board in this spot. Looks like we'll have three. Oshpitsasoro, who I almost mentioned when talking about older horses. I like also a, a, a three-year-old in Derma Sotogake will be competing. And then also a King of Steel. Looks like he's going to be coming to compete in the classic as well. Battle tested uh, as he is. What a great storyline that would be. So I'm going to give you a foreigner to hit the board. Pete, my third and final opinion of the Breeders' Cup Classic, or early thought, is that Derme Sodagake, nailed it, well said. is nailed going it. to run up to expectations that he had leading up to the Kentucky Derby. I don't think he's going to win, but I do think he's going to run better than what we uh, saw him run uh, earlier in America. Same pattern for mine. Mage is going to run a race more like his Kentucky Derby than his Travers. I think he has a chance to do really well in this spot and uh, don't write him off just yet for three-year-old of the year. Ain't going to be easy with what some of the others have done, but Hey, uh, an on the board uh, finish in the Breeders' Cup Classic to go along with a Kentucky Derby win. It'll be something we can debate on podcasts anyway. JK, thank you for taking the time to do these uh, Breeders' Cup thoughts. We've got so much more coming in the moneypodcast.com slash email. Sign up there. You get our free email newsletter. That's the easiest way to keep track of everything we've got going on. Check out the JK shirts in the Breeders' Cup store as well. Some fantastic stuff there. Give us a closing thought before we get out of here. Looking forward to it. It's never too early to have some thoughts because you can build these thoughts, process them, gather more information. It'll lead you to a successful Breeders' Cup. Racing at Keeneland continues apace as the fall meet is getting down to the nitty gritty in our anticipation of uh, end of the year excitement at the Breeders' Cup. But you can still be betting Keeneland. You know how we love the all-turf pick three around here. One of our favorite bets going. We're going to have coverage of Keeneland over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com and on these airwaves as we get closer and closer to the weekend. To learn more, go to Keeneland.com. Shout out to our friends from Adelphi. Hoping we're going to be hearing from them before this week is over. As we mentioned, I'm so excited to be a member of Adelphi Racing. Got two in on Thursday, or two entered on Thursday that both look like they're going to run. It's been such a great experience. The communication from the team is really top-notch. To learn more and to get involved, go to AdelphiRacing.com. Next up on the show, we bring back a returning guest, a guy who's got all kinds of interesting stuff going on, and I know a lot of you out there cannot get enough Breeders' Cup coverage, and uh, this is a guy you're going to want to be following. But he's also got a really special presentation this week that we're going to be talking about uh, from his own podcast. This is Howard Kravitz. Howard, how are things? Hey, PTF. How you doing? Thanks for having me today. It's my great pleasure. Let's let's not bury the lead here. I think you got a pretty special segment coming up tomorrow that, you know, from a human interest point of view, absolutely can't be missed. Tell people what that is and where they can find it. Yeah, very special. I know you're big on evergreen content, people, things that people can watch at any particular time of the year. Tomorrow night, Tuesday night, 7.30 Eastern on the HHH Racing Podcast, you simply go to YouTube and just type in HHH Racing Podcast. We are going to have Cody Dorman of Cody's Wishes fame, who, by the way, Pete, is turning 18 in December, believe it or not. We're going to have him on live, and we're going to be asking questions about Cody's Wish. Of course, Cody's Wish is making his last start in the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile. In addition to having Cody on the show, we're also going to have the entire family. We're going to have his fantastic parents, 
Leslie and Kelly, and possibly his wonderful sister, Kylie, who just turned 10. Happy happy birthday to Kylie. We're going to have the whole family on live, Pete, and people can uh, not only watch and listen to the show, of course, but they can type into the live chat and ask the parents questions as well. So we are very excited. It is Tuesday night, 7.30 Eastern on our YouTube channel. That's great. Make sure you go to the HHH YouTube channel to check that out. Is it already scheduled? Can folks like set it up to get the reminder when it goes live? Is, is, is it set up like that? Absolutely. Always set up. They can just simply go to our YouTube channel and give themselves a notification uh, so they don't have to worry about, you know, signing up or anything like that. So, yes, it's all ready to go as as are many shows that we have coming up uh, for the Breeders' Cup. And I do want to ask you about those, too. But before we move on from the Dorman topic, I just chime in that I had a, a chance to see them at the symposium last year in Tucson. And it was great to hear Cody's dad talk about the experience. Cody um, was able to answer some questions and tell some some stories as well. And you could see, you know, sort of the, the ongoing challenges, but also, you know, the important role that Cody's wish continues to play in in his life. So I, I highly recommend I'll be tuning in and recommend that other people do as well. Remind folks one more time when you're going to be going live. Yeah, 7.30 Eastern, uh, Tuesday night on our YouTube channel. Just type in HHH Racing Podcast in the search bar. And please do subscribe subscribe to the channel as well. We've been on for almost three years now, Pete. We have have had many great guests and, and handicapping coverage similar to what you guys do. So uh, we really appreciate people watching. It's going to be a once in a lifetime experience, really. Very, very cool. Let's talk about other Breeders' Cup stuff. I'm going to drill down to some Breeders' Cup specifics with you before I let you get out of here, just because I'm not going to let that opportunity uh, slip by the boards while I have you. But you mentioned some of the other Breeders' Cup coverage you have. Tell people about what some of the highlights are, because, again, I mean, I think this is a total rising tide lifts all ships thing where people who are going to be interested in your stuff are going to dig what we have going on over here and also vice versa. Pete, I can't agree more. You and I are in the same boat on that. We, we need to help each other out in the podcast world. I don't understand why, you know, people shouldn't be competing against each other. And we are going to be more than happy to promote all the in-the-money uh, media information on our channel as well. Pete, we have 12 shows for the Breeders' Cup. 12. 15-plus hours of coverage, starting with the Cody's, uh, Cody Dorman interview. But we're also going to be doing your basic handicapping, of course, next week of the Friday card of the Saturday card. However... Uh, we, Wednesday, uh, Wednesday, we have two shows. Davy Lane, who is a fantastic punter from the UK, who has been on our show several times. We're going to do international entry preview. We're also going to do the pre-entry review. We're going to do the post-draw review on uh, Monday. And then Sunday, of special interest to you personally, most likely, will be a preview of the BCBC contest well, with fun. three of the last winners of the BCBC, including your own uh in the money guy drew Cotney, as well as frank mustari that is sunday that is sunday night pete at 7 30 eastern we're going to be talking about the bcbc so we're covering the breeders cup from all angles please check out the channel yeah and i mean that's definitely a show that's worth checking out the bcbc preview show getting getting into the 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 particulars of the successful strategies who else what which champs do you have you got drew and you got uh, Matt Miller and Marshall, or who who else? Yes, Matt Matt Miller and Marshall Graham, the last three champions. Then Frank Mustari, who is due to win one of these uh, really huge is. ones it's, it's, at any moment. He's fantastic. Of course, 
his son, uh, uh, Justin, won the NHC a few years ago. So it's going to be – it's not really handicapping shows, you know. There's a lot of strategy and contest play, uh, especially this year, Pete, which will be fascinating with the Breeders' Cup Classic not being the last race of the BCBC. Of course, it's going to be the dirt sprint. Is that official official? When last I spoke to Tim Schramm about it, they said they were going to be making an announcement right around now as to what the exact race order would be. Have you, have you, do you have that on, on high authority, Howard? I, actually, I do not have that on high authority. I just made an assumption, but we'll, I'll get in touch with Tim Schramm and, and find out. I, I actually wouldn't blame them if they decided to end it on the Classic, especially because it's a more wide-open race this year. Uh, that'll be very interesting to see. Yeah, they're definitely not doing that, unless they change their minds completely. When we, Steve Bick and I reached out to Tim on air a few weeks ago and got the info that both the Pick 6 and BCBC are going to be going through the last Breeders' Cup race, which will which they said was going to be officially determined around now. So we'll see. I think the sprint is a good guess, but we'll have to see how it, uh, how it plays out. It definitely will affect Handel having it not be the classic, but, you know, TV windows and other important things going on. I can see why they do it the way they do it. Now, at the risk of being struck by lightning, Howard, because, of course, I'm rooting for Cody's wish in the dirt mile, but we've had a lot of chat in our early Breeders' Cup chat on the network about how, and I can really argue it either way. I can argue it that this is classic Bill Mott with a target, and he wasn't meant to put on some wildly impressive show in the Vosburgh and he'll, he'll come back fully formed. But then you could also look at it the other way that maybe he's a little off form. Maybe as much as we all want to see him win personally would happily burn my money, any money I'm betting against him. If I could see him win, cause that's the story I want to see. But from a, just a handicapping point of view only, do you think he might be a little bit vulnerable in this year's dirt line? I know one person that uh, is hoping the public thinks he's vulnerable and will drift up to like nine to five. And that's my wonderful co-host, Paul Halloran who's writing a book on Cody's wish and will be betting hands and heels on Cody's wish in that race. Look, I've never really believed that two turns is his best, uh, you know, configuration. I think the mile obviously suits him just fine. He's been breaking a little bit slow lately, Pete. And that's a little bit of concern, especially going a quick one turn, uh, excuse me, a quick two turn, one mile San Nita, where it's just not easy to close at all on that track. And there's very talented horses and, Crash will move and some other, you know, Zozos, and we'll see. I think it would be appreciably tougher than last year for him for several reasons. But, you know, if he drifts up to eight to five, nine to five, that just might be a gift. I'm a little bit against him right now for all the reasons that you've discussed, but he can absolutely win this race. Of course. And right now, internationally, Paul has any friends uh, overseas as, as high as seven to two available on Cody's. Wow. Probably is. Big, yeah, and uh, probably will be shorter on the day with all the attendant publicity, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But just something to think about. I do think that nine to five uh, could be reasonable, especially if you know cynical horse players like us are, are putting our money in very differently than putting our hearts in, uh, as far as the dirt mile goes. We'll get yes. down to the specifics of the possible alternatives as we get a lot closer. From this far out, do you have any other leans you might be willing to share? Places where you could see getting very involved. I assume you'll be playing in the BCBC yourself. Anything, uh, anything, any races you have a feeling you'll be targeting heavily? Uh, I am playing in the BCBC, hopefully with uh, two entries. I'll be playing the last chance contest as well. I want to focus on the classic. Now, the classic, obviously, if it, if it is going to be the last race uh, of the BCBC, then it's a, it's a race you have to play. 
If it's not, I'm uh, more apt to not play it as strongly this year. I've been a big Archangelo fan all year long. We had Jen Antonucci on the show. I think she's done an absolutely masterful job. If this horse goes off at 7-2, to two, Pete, I mean, he is the most logical horse in that race. But in the Classic, I am very, very interested right now on Ushba Jasoro, especially like 7-8-1. to one. I just have not been enamored with this uh, handicap division this year, Pete. And I'm not so sure, other than Archangelo, who really I'd be interested in. So if Ushpachasuro is working well and handles the ship fine, and there's no reason why he won't, if this horse is seven or eight to one, that will be a big play for me in the BCBC, either a win bet or using in doubles. I could see it. I could definitely see it. We're going to have a lot of coverage of the Japanese contingent, specifically through our friends at uh, the JRA and Michael Adolfson. Curious to get all of their thoughts, but I'm I'm leaning towards you. I mean, I'm I'm my sort of stated position on the classic, and it's directly oppo to JK. JK is all about the three year olds. I'm all about the older horses. Ushput Tesoro being one that I'm intrigued by, and uh, I think I'm just probably higher on that white Abario last performance than you are. Cause I also think he and Zandon mm. could be interesting at the right prices in there. So we'll see. I mean, it's, a, it, it is an open and tricky race. I think, well, certainly compared to last year when it was the slam dunk of all slam dunks, Any, sure. anything, anything else in particular, give me one more race or one more horse you're, you're excited about from this far out. You know, I, I'm going to be, I've already looked at the euros. I'm going to be deep diving soon. Once we know the entries are in, uh, the juvenile Phillies turf, and the name is escaping me right now. The opera singer, correct? Opera singer yep. looks, yep. looks, looks just absolutely outstanding. I, I, I will be playing her. It's not the most creative pick. I saw two to one on odds checker. I think that might also be value if, if she ships well, <clears throat> she ships well and gets a decent post, you know, not the 11 or 12. I think opera singer and the juvenile Phillies turf on. Future Stars Friday is one of the best bets of the day. I know people will say tomorrow in the juvenile uh, dirt, uh, Philly dirt, excuse me, race, but I think Opera Singer could be very, very special. And I don't think the American juvenile Philly turfers are really that good. Yeah, it's fair enough. That's fair enough. Where are you with Tamara? Do you do you have do you like somebody as an alternative there potentially? I'm I'm all about Team Tamara. I just I can't stop betting her. No, Tamara is very good. It's just you know. Everyone loved K-Rock last year, Pete, and I have a little bit of, uh, you know, stain on my clothes from K-Rock last year. I made a, a huge play in the BCBC. It's just two-year-olds are very fickle, and you could say, well, opera singers are two-year-old. I, I understand that, but she seems like a whole different kind. Tamara's never been two turns. I know Mandela is unbelievable at San Anita, and she's the clearly the horse to beat, but strange things happen. I thought Candide ran very well last time. I don't know if she can transfer that form to California, but I think that's one horse that could upset Tamara, but I mean, Tamara is going to be, you know, what, three to five feet? I and mean, she might be the lowest price of the entire weekend. That's my guess. And that's part of the reason why, you know, his price is like as big as seven to four are still available over there. I think I just, I feel confident, extremely confident that I'm, that I'm getting all the value and, and I'm willing to, to go to war with that pick despite the complications because when it's you know fixed odds and it's locked in like that you just you know i i i can't see you're going off higher than four to five let's put it that way and i think your three to five might be a better guess david aragona was saying similar when he was on with us on uh our own hhh our horse player happy hour last hmm. week 
uh, of all the coverage you have coming up, if, if folks could only listen to one show that you're doing, I know this is a hard question because there's no reason not to listen to more, but if they could only listen to one of the things you have coming out, what would you, uh, what would you recommend they check out? Well, real quick, we also have shows on Benton and Boosden, which is our secondary show with a lot of great young handicappers. They're covering the early pick fives, Pete, on Friday and Saturday, and a special show for the two-day $1 pick six. So we're covering yeah. from all angles. That's a tough question. It depends if you're a contest player. I would check out the Sunday night BCBC show for sure. But I think the most interest is going to be our uh, show on next the Wednesday before the Breeders' Cup, which is, of course, covering the Saturday card. It's nine Breeders' Cup races. I think it, it, that's the bulk of the money we bet on Saturday. So I think that's the one that people should probably watch the most, especially if they're interested in the Saturday card. Love it. Yeah. If they're your band with limited, check that out, but do more than that. You know, we really have a great relationship with, with Howard and the team over there and always happy to push people that way. And, and excited. If you can, uh, if you can do the same, Howard, we appreciate your, your ongoing support. It's been really fun to watch the show grow and it'll be fun to have you back on again soon. Uh, thanks Pete. We also have power picks about my ad power picks tip sheet, which people can go to our website, HHH racing podcast, Dot com and check out our Breeders' Cup Power Picks tip sheet. I know you do a great job within the Money Plus and other avenues. And we're also, you can listen to us uh, as well on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other listening platforms. So uh, we appreciate the intel here, Pete, and appreciate us coming on the show. And check out the HHH Racing Podcast if you've not. I really think you would, you're going to enjoy the channel. Have a great show tomorrow, Howard. We'll be talking soon. Thanks a lot, Pete. Take care. Our coverage also is continuing of Naira. Hopefully, we're going to get some sunshine finally this weekend after this long run of wet weekend weather. Going to have a special show, I think, covering this Thursday as well with our friends from Adelphi. If you want to watch the great America's Day at the Races coverage, best way to do that, find out where it is in themoneypodcast.com slash TV, and you can learn a lot more at Naira.com. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. I'd like to thank all of today's guests as well as our founding partners, 10 Strike Racing. You know how around here we always love to root for the purple and black. And, of course, the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation, the Hay Drive is in effect. You can get a matching donation. And if you give $200, we'll send you a bottle of In the Money Whiskey, trfinc.org slash players. Most of all, want to thank all of you for making these shows so much fun to do. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos.